0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nearly Numinous. We're back after a longer hiatus than we had planned because of recording issues. But we've got better news is it's our first episode back with Jacqueline after so long.
1: Welcome back, Jacqueline. Yay, welcome.
2: Hello. (laughs) It feels weird because I already said hello in our last episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so to give you guys some context, we recorded this exact episode last week (laughs) with the intent of having it out last Monday, Um, and, you know, just technology decided that it didn't want to work in our favor. So here we are again recording from scratch. Um, But it's fine. It's fine. We just get to talk to each other and hang out again. So it's all good. But this week, we are back with another edition, the June edition of In the News. So if you remember last month, the beginning of May, we decided to start this new monthly kind of roundtable discussion sort of vibe where we bring a couple of articles, we and we each talk about kind of things that are happening in the world, what's going on that kind of relate to religion, um, which is a surprisingly large amount of things. We actually have to, like, pick and choose what we talk about. Mm-hmm. So this week, we've got a few topics for you. Um, some light and fun, some completely opposite and very, very serious, Um, And we actually, when we recorded this last week, we had a few less things because so much has even happened in the last week. So, shall we dive in? So, I brought a nice, light, easy breezy cover girl topic for us to chat about today. So, a few weeks ago, we had the blood orange supermoon, if you're unfamiliar with what that is. A supermoon is when the moon is full, it's a massive full moon, and it is as close to the Earth as it possibly gets, uh, so the moon actually looks bigger than it normally would. After that, the blood orange part is when there is a lunar eclipse. So That's when, you know, the sun is on one side, the earth blocks the light and filters it. I'm not a science person, I'm sorry. I don't know. (laughs) But it has something to do with that. And it makes the moon look orange. So it's called the blood orange moon. So all of these things happened all at once to create the blood orange supermoon, uh, which also, it was a flower moon because the full moon in May is called a flower moon. So it is the super flower blood moon which i definitely think sounds like a super ultra feminist like pro period sailor moon character
1: (laughs) my superhero name would be super flower blood moon if i could choose one
0: (laughs) i love it (laughs) all right so I think that, you know, some people would look at me and say, Hey, Steph, like, why are we talking about a full moon in regards to religion? That's, like, not, like, a religious event. Think again!
1: (laughs) Think again, everyone. I'm very
0: overtired today. I hope (laughs) you're ready for my weird voices and facial expressions, if you can see me. (laughs) But yes, okay. So, I want to go through all of the ways that the full moon is religious. So first, we should get it out of the way right now. Obviously, astrology. Whether or not you're somebody that believes that astrology is a religious thing or not, I'm not going to get into that debate with you. But in astrology, full moons, super big thing. Um, Beyond that, basically, like, a lot of the practices that I find, like, astrology pulls from um, or, like, adapts from are things like... Wicca, other pagan traditions, um, they pull from a lot of stuff. Um, it's basically, like, the new way of being spiritual but not religious when you're just, like, super into a ton of different rituals and you just, like, kind of do whatever you think feels good, which is cool. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's tons of, like, pagan full moon rituals, Wicca, healing crystals, um, because you have to charge your crystals under the full moonlight, but... Beyond that, there's also some other cool little tidbits that I found out. So the moon is considered a symbol of death in quite a few religions uh, because of its like cyclical patterns. So the moon comes back, it disappears, and a lot of people have associated that with the fact that when their loved one dies, uh, the moon is a symbol in the sky that they have risen into whatever afterlife, because this is kind of a cross- religious belief system, so whether it's risen into heaven or been reborn in this world again, etc. So it's kind of like that symbolic thing. Um, There's another thing that I found, and I don't know too much about this, so I don't want to start saying things that I'm not knowledgeable on, but I thought it was very interesting. So apparently in some indigenous traditions, they refer to the moon as grandmother moon, and I've come across um, a lot of interesting kind of full moon celebrations. Um, and one that I came across is actually from Queens. So there's Four Directions Aboriginal Center, Aboriginal Student Center. And they run different like groups. They run a bunch of different services for Indigenous students. Uh, and one of the gatherings that they do is a full moon ritual kind of I've seen, I've seen it in past articles. They refer to it as like a gathering, but I've also seen them refer to it as a ritual. But they invite women um, and women identifying to come together and celebrate the full moon together, which I thought was really cool. So um, I'll link the article that I found about that in the show notes. So if you are somebody that goes to Queens and you're interested in checking that out, could be could be an interesting thing to, to go learn more about. I know that I'm no longer in Kingston, So I can't go. But if I was, I'd be very curious and want to know more. Um, Mm -hmm. And they say all are welcome. So do you guys know any other cool full moon things that you'd like to share? Anything you guys
1: do during the full moon? I turn into a werewolf during the full moon.
2: (laughs) It's true. I've seen it.
1: I don't know if that's religious or not. We could make an episode arguing for it, but that's just what I do.
2: Vampires 2.0
1: yep exactly
2: um does anybody know i never really studied eliada too much um there's this um religious studies scholar eliada who talks about perennialism and these different um symbols that kind of reoccur across the world and i was wondering did eliada talk about the moon because i know eliada like you talked about the reoccurring images of or uh, the recurring myths around the tree of life and i think Um, The tendency for humans to have a connection to the sun. And I would assume also there was a conversation about the moon. But I'm not sure. Do you know anything about that? Does that ring a bell?
1: I don't know if he brought that up, but I can definitely see the moon as, like, a perennial symbol. I mean, like, you see it in a bunch of different religions. Like, this is more of, like, a cultural thing. But um, the Islamic crescent moon... um, Mm the importance of the moon and like indigenous uh pagan and witchcraft uh religions and spiritualities there's like goddesses of the moon and like you know roman and greek mythology and all that like i don't know if Eliada said that but in my opinion it's definitely like a perennial symbol
2: yeah and i would be surprised if there was a religious tradition or a culture that didn't, in some way, hold a significance to the moon, right? Because, like, we're in this world; we all, on Earth, see a moon, right? And so, it'd be it would be surprising for for humanity to not subscribe some sort of significance to the moon, especially because there is very much this cycle that happens. And so, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if anyone out there knows of a tradition that does not at all. Um, have any links to the moon or I guess yeah just like astrology at all that would be interesting to to hear about but I think one thing that I came
0: across quite a bit when I was looking into this was the fact that there seems to be a recurring link between the moon and femininity of some Mm. sort Um, so I think you see this a lot in very like contemporary iterations of like spirituality Um, especially with, like, the feminist spiritualities, where because the moon follows a similar cycle to, like, women's menstruation cycles, there's a lot of links kind of often drawn between those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, kind of the belief that, like, women are pulled by the moon. Um, But beyond that, I've read stuff about the fact that oftentimes, like, that women are associated with the moon as being, like, dark and evil and only coming out at night and, like, doing questionable things in the night. Um, which I'm here for. Like I'll embrace that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true. So
0: But yeah, so I've seen a lot of like kind of cross cultural um links to that. And I mean even as I was just saying the there's a lot of different indigenous communities that refer to the moon as the grandmother moon. So that again, that's very feminine. Um so like it's it's all they all have like their different interpretations, obviously. Um, but there does seem to be that link between, like, some form of womanhood or femininity or matriarchal
2: identity that is linked to the moon. Mm. And there is also the, the link with the moon and the changes in tidal patterns. And so I think there's a link between uh, the moon and water and femininity that can sometimes happen as well. That's true. I didn't think about that
0: because I know, yeah, water is often considered, like, a symbol for women. woman.
1: Mm-hmm. I also, like... Uh, the connections between moons and specifically blood moons and apocalyptic theories as well.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, So I never really noticed this, um, mostly because I just, like, haven't really read the Bible from start to finish. Is that, like, a... This is a side tangent. (laughs) You (laughs) haven't? What? Okay, like... I haven't either. What do you guys, what's your opinion? Yeah, okay, there we go. So I'm not the only one. What's your opinion on people who are like, I'm going to read the Bible from front to back? And uh, to clarify, I studied theology. Yeah, so like I've read and studied quite a bit of the Bible. But like, you know, I just never found the need to like, I'm going to
2: sit down and read it from front to back, you know? Um, I guess maybe this is getting a little bit more theological but i guess it really depends on what your purpose of doing so is um because a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't realize that the bible has so many different genres of literature within it and so when you start with genesis and then exodus and then when you get to leviticus it's just super well, boring in my opinion, um, <laughs> but then um, <laughs> but then, I just feel like when you do that and you don't take into account that actually these books are all written very differently, um, then there can be interpretations that, uh, I don't know, are maybe a little less historically accurate according to the text. And so it really just depends on what your purpose of doing that is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, and I feel
0: like most of the time when I hear people say that they're going to do it, it's people who are not religious. Mm. So like it's people who are not Christian that are like, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to read the Bible from start to finish." And it's to me it almost seems like they're trying to prove a point or something rather than actually like authentically like try to understand the book itself. Cuz again, like you said, if you're trying to like understand the book, it's a little like I lost my train of thought. Okay, so here's a good analogy. It'd be like reading a dictionary from start to finish, right? So, like, at a certain point, you're not going to take in anything else because you've already taken in so many, like, definitions and interpretations or whatever. And then at the end of the day, you're going to, like, sit there and be like, yes, I read the dictionary from start to finish. I can't speak on what I read, but, like, I read it, you know?
2: Yeah, I would... um for people that are just kind of doing it for funsies probably like reading the gospels is just the most reader friendly i think out of all the books in the bible the psalms too the psalms are good Mm -hmm. if you if you like poetry but yeah like just like start to finish i find there's so many genealogies and um if you don't get like those are there for a purpose Um, like, it was important to the narrative, but if you don't understand that importance, it's just going to be, like, you're listening to just a bunch of names being read. All right, so you've heard
0: mine and Jacqueline's rants about reading the Bible from start to finish. We maybe should have, like, waited for our rants to see what Rachel had to say before we maybe colored her (laughs) opinion.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, um, I've also read quite a bit of the Bible just for... Um, personal and theological purposes, but also for, like, academic purposes. And, uh, I also don't think it's probably necessary to read the Bible start to finish. I think what Jacqueline said about what your purpose is for reading the Bible is probably gonna determine whether you should read it start to finish or not, but um, I think regardless of whether you read it start to finish, it's good to understand the context with which what each section is written in um the purpose for why it was written uh who wrote it and all that um and you don't need to read the bible start to finish to do that because each section is so different
0: i think kind of going off that too we're like on a so (laughs) totally different side tangent now um but i think that there's something to be said about reading the bible with guidance and i mean that in the sense of it doesn't necessarily need to be like a religious leader but even like a scholar who studied it or something because there is a lot like it's a lot of it can be dicey if you don't understand the history mm-hmm or interpretations or right so i think it's hard as well and like i said a lot of the people i know that say i'm gonna read the bible from start to finish they're not christian so what ends up happening is it's almost like they're using and again this is just the people i've met that do this i'm not saying everybody that's read the bible from start to finish has this opinion but there's a certain element of like if you're trying to read it because you're trying to like use it as an argument to discredit people's belief systems then you're doing yourself and them a disservice because you're not actually taking the time to, like, learn what's happening and what's going on. And I even think about, like, what I remember reading a lot about how, I think it's Matthew, was written from, like, a fairly, I think it's Matthew, correct me if I'm wrong, was written from a fairly anti-Semitic viewpoint because it was written from somebody trying to not necessarily, like, dismiss the Jewish people, but it was from someone trying to convince jewish people that their religion was lame and they should become a christian now and so it's important to also know that so that when you're reading some of the passages that are kind of like well this person was jewish and they didn't stand up to the roman guards therefore they're a bad person like it's like okay well no that's maybe not the case like let's sit back and figure out like why they were saying this right and so I think, yeah, like, just reading the Bible from start to finish without any of, like, the history, any of the knowledge of, like, how it was written, why it was written, etc. Um, or a, as well as, like, no knowledge of, like, basic hermeneutics, right? Like, it, what I is, think you're doing... What is a hermeneutic, Steph? Oh, uh, I'm bad at defining things. Um It's the, like, how you read the Bible. Yeah. And, yeah. like, interpret the language, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway that's that's my opinion um if you want to read the bible from start to finish like i mean go for it but like honestly it's so much of it is just so boring like i don't know why you would want to do it anyway
1: as you can probably tell we could talk about the bible all day long so uh if you want to hear us talk about it for at least an hour uh message us and let us know you want an episode on the bible
2: well, like, be more specific than I want <laughs> on the entire the Bible, Bible, please, because <laughs> our opinion on yeah. the Bible, period. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, I could talk about, say, like the book of John, because I took a class on the book of John. That's something I could talk about, but I wouldn't be able to talk about um, Jude. I don't know. Obscure book of the Bible that I don't know much about. That's so,
0: fair. yeah. I can't talk about the New te- or I can't talk about the Old Testament to save my life. Like, I, I tried taking a Hebrew Bible course in my undergrad, and just the whole time I was like, okay. Um. <laughs> it's like, I just don't, for some reason to me, I, like, read the Old Testament, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's good. God's too mean in it. I can't handle <laughs> it. <laughs> Gotta love the Book of Joshua.
2: Not. <laughs>
0: <sighs> so Okay, what were we talking about? Oh, I okay. know, Apocalypticism <laughs> in the Bible. <laughs> so, there is a passage in the Bible where it says, I think it's Acts 2 verse 20. Um, don't quote me on that. I didn't actually fact check that. Uh, hey, you can't just
2: do that stuff. <laughs> no. You can't just like randomly give a number and be like, this isn't the actual number. <laughs> Just say somewhere in the book of Acts, is it in Acts? I'd like to
0: clarify, I did not pull a number out of my ass already.
2: Just like, you can't just pick a random number and be like, end this book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Acts 42 versus um,
2: 175.
1: (laughs) Is it even
0: Acts, Steph? I was saying, though, it was just the fact that I was reading an article and this said this in the article and then I didn't confirm it i didn't cross confirm it in the bible uh, okay um, that's better i yeah. don't have my big study bible in pincher creek alberta
1: well biblegateway.com man i i looked it's, it's it up the best. and bible yeah, ref guess. says she's right so sorry for doubting you, yeah, you? yeah so i was right <laughs>
0: all right anyway acts 2 verse 20 has a passage that talks about The fact that the moon will turn to blood before the day of the lord so it basically is saying like we're gonna have a blood moon and then the apocalypse is gonna hit but it's very weird because we've had a a very large amount of blood moons so like is it just gonna be a random one
1: one of these days the apocalypse will hit or maybe it's already hit
2: that is one interpretation that exists actually yes that it's happened that there's an invisible apocalypse maybe that has happened or or a rapture some people use that language and that's that's already happened and the rest of us just don't know it yet
1: the rapture happened uh, i wasn't taken yeah
2: yeah ex- oof.
1: well neither well. were you well. so
2: uh oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe we're
0: all just figments
2: of your
1: imagination
2: yeah well that's also a strand of psychology now isn't it that everything's in your brain Yeah. i don't, don't want
1: to talk about this anymore um,
2: i have that thought at least once a day <laughs> So really, Rachel's <laughs> the only one who's been left behind, and she's just making up this entire world
1: around herself. <laughs> I've had, like, a mental break because everything's so stressful, and I've just imagined, I'm imagining doing the work for this show and going through it each week, even though I'm the only one doing it. That sounds great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that that definitely lines up. Um, no, you guys, like, though, I have, I have this thought at least once a day that I'm like, hmm. Maybe nothing exists, and I've made it all up in my head. Or maybe we're in the Matrix. Yeah. Maybe every single conspiracy theorist is right, and I'm the one that's wrong.
1: I do think about that sometimes. Just kidding. Please go get vaccinated. Oh, yeah. Go vaccinated. Get
0: vaccinated. Conspiracy theorists aren't right. Get your vaccine. And no, the rapture didn't happen, and Rachel's not the only person on the face of the planet, so.
1: Ugh, yeah. Thank you. It's nice to hear that, even if it's not true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we need to move on. We've been talking, we went on too many, we're going to have to cut out half of our discussion. I'm assuming we're cutting some of
2: that out,
1: yeah. I brought a less light, uh, uh, easy breezy article, but one that's kind of happy. So I wanted to talk about the fact that uh, the Ottawa Catholic School Board, has decided to fly the pride flag in the month of june from now on which is really cool so um i went to ottawa catholic schools and and i graduated 2014 and just even this conversation not even bringing up the fact that they actually did decide to fly the flags i wouldn't have seen this conversation when i was in catholic school just a few years ago so this is really cool for me just a bit of background um on the catholic church's official stance specifically on gay marriage um so 2s lgbtq plus people are welcome in the church as individuals but uh their relationships and actions are condemned if you can kind of if that makes sense if you can kind of separate those two things sure um like no (laughs) but okay (laughs) uh yeah so like as it's the specifically like the sexual activity that is the sin not the people um according to the logic of the catholic church so uh sexual activity between people of the same sex is a sin it's not part of god's plan um to my understanding because Sex is for procreation, and also because marriage is specifically supposed to be between a man and a woman. So, um, the Catholic Church can't bless same sex marriages because they're not officially recognized and they're sinful because sex that happens in gay marriages is, according to the church, um, sex that happens outside of marriage. So that's kind of the Catholic Church's stance on gay marriage and same sex relationships. The current Pope, Pope Francis uh seems to be more chill about this sort of thing. He seems to be like more supportive of two s LGBTQ plus people, uh, specifically more like than other popes, but you know, he still supports the Vatican's comments on gay marriage. Uh, recently in a documentary, he said homosexuals have a right to be a part of the family. They are children of God and have a right to a family. Um, What we have to create is a civil union law. That way they are legally covered. So, you know, even though he's not saying we bless same-sex marriages, he's still, like, culturally, legally, same-sex marriages should be, um, should be protected. Just before June 1st, some people in the school board were like, you know what, it's high time we started supporting our queer and trans students. Um, I think we should fly the flag, and there was some backlash that happened. Um, Part of it was allegedly because of like tax reasons, you know, we don't want to have to spend money on flying a, a new flag or like building a new flagpole just so we can fly a new flag. Um I'm not sure how true that is, but
0: what an unnecessary argument.
1: Honestly, like yeah, it's it's I in my opinion, it's just such a a small thing to have to build a few extra flagpoles to be able to make a ton of students feel safer in school. I think it's super Mm -hmm. worth it
0: yeah and i think um part of that and like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna try to like be think through this lens a little bit for a second uh, and then i'm gonna refute everything i've said so bear with me (laughs) i can see the argument of like okay let's not spend our money on this thing because like how is a flagpole and a flag impactful when we can maybe fund something that directly impacts these kids lives right like education um like funding groups things like that and so i can see maybe where the argument comes from so i'll give them the benefit of the doubt there um that being said i don't think i think that was some people's way of like copping out and being like well but what about this this is a logical argument that doesn't make me look like a homophobe (laughs) Um, you know, I'm sure there are some people where that was like authentically their argument, but I think beyond that though, what they don't understand is the importance of these symbols, right? And we um we've talked about symbols a little bit throughout this entire podcast project we've been doing. Um, but we actually have an episode in another few weeks that we're going to talk more in depth about the importance of symbols, but Even just from like the symbolic standpoint, right, how important it is for a kid who is queer, who identifies even slightly differently than the Catholic norm to be able to walk onto their campus and see that symbol. Right. It's. It's not like it's not the end, it's not the be all end of like what can happen. But I think that it can still be very impactful because it's a symbol that says, like, first off, like, you are welcome here. Second, it's a very obvious symbol of like, hey, we're not going to tolerate the backlash that we're going to get and we're going to mm-hmm. do this anyway. So I think that's also quite important as well because I think it's one thing for like, you know, if I go outside and put... um like, the LGBTQ or the trans flag or what any of the other flags, if I put that on my front lawn, like, that's, that's great. I'm sure it still has value. Um, but, you know, everybody kind of would expect that of me. They'd be like, <laughs> yes, of course, like, you're very outspoken about your support for the queer community. But whereas, like, when the Catholic school board does it, it's like, okay, so, like, they're gonna get backlash for this, and they're taking a very solid stance and they're saying like nope we don't care about your backlash we're gonna do this because it's important and i think that that symbol in and of itself is a a huge thing for a lot of queer and lgbtq plus identifying students at this school yeah i am
1: specifically in my school i only know of one person who came out um like publicly to the whole grade and they did get some backlash, but they did get some support too, but the majority of, um, students I know that are queer and trans came out after they left high school, um, probably because of, like, the atmosphere, maybe because of the student body, but also because of, you know, the faculty and, you know, what we interpreted as the church's teachings which were like against us and you know i remember one of my teachers like whispering during class once like sh- that she had a gay friend and like she didn't want she wanted to like keep it quiet because she didn't want to get fired um i remember like writing in an essay once like gay people have been persecuted and like killed because of their identifi- identities and My teacher, like, crossed that sentence out as if to, like, erase that it happened, and still happens. Um, So, like, like Steph was saying, like, this symbol of the pride flag flying the pride flag might seem like just a small thing and even not worth it to some people, but honestly, in my opinion, it's huge it's, it's just the beginning of what we can do, but it's huge. Yeah. And also the, uh, the Ottawa Catholic School Board, like, put out a statement that said, um, they're, they're flying the flag because it's, their board is guided by Catholic social teachings, and that everyone deserves a safe, inclusive, and caring school environment. So, I think that's really cool that they specifically uh, referenced, we're doing this because of Catholic teachings. So, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I'm very happy about it.
0: No, that's great. Yeah. This is maybe potentially a side tangent, but this is something that is highly related to everything that's been happening lately, but I think something that a lot of people forget is that the Catholic school board is actually publicly funded in Ontario. Um, I know that's not the case in every province, but I know quite a few provinces have publicly funded Catholic school boards. Um, And so I think that that, I I have a huge amount of respect for the Ottawa school board. I have a huge amount of respect for the Ottawa school board doing this because I think that they have a duty to have a they have a certain responsibility to the general public because the general public funds their school board and um i mean if we want to get into the semantics of it i personally don't think that the public should be funding the catholic school board but i think if they're going to then they do have this responsibility Mm -hmm. right and so it's not necessarily always about you know again like everyone needs a safe inclusive space to go to school Mm -hmm. these are children you know And they need a place that they can go and they can understand, first off, how to interact with the public. So, regardless of if your genuine Christian belief tells you that being gay is a sin, um, again, I'm not saying that's okay, but I'm saying if that, you know, you still have a responsibility to teach your kids how to be respectful to other kids and other adults and respect their identities, Mm -hmm. you know? And so again, regardless of, like, what your own internal belief system is, like, you are responsible to the public that is funding your school system. You are responsible to make sure that those kids can now enter society and, like, the public society and understand how to interact with other people and be respectful of other people. Um, and I know that's way more complex than I just made it out in those, like, you know, <laughs> two minutes, but...
1: Yeah.
2: That's, like, the
0: overarching
1: Yeah, theme. I agree.
2: So for those less familiar with the diversity of beliefs within Christianity, I think it's important to mention that there are denominations that are affirming, as well as individual churches within non-affirming denominations that the, the the individual churches themselves are affirming. And there's a really great online directory for checking this, which can be super useful if you're a queer Christian or an ally looking for a church that is affirming already. So the website is called churchclarity.org, and it's a database that seeks to provide clarity about uh, various church policies, which at times are difficult to discern on a church's website, just because sometimes around controversial issues on their websites, they might kind of like try to try to hide their stance so that people won't get mad at them. But at the end of the day, for queer Christians specifically, it can be really harmful for there to be this ambiguity of like this church being on the fence of oh we're not going to commit to affirming you or um yeah accepting you as you are we're just gonna you know love the sinner hate the sin all that sort of thing it can be really harmful um if you don't know that that's the church's actual stance and you're you're seeking this um accepting community so this website churchclarity.org um yeah, it's this directory. So basically, you can submit a church. So you can um, submit a church to be kind of assessed, I guess. And so people who have gone to this church um, can like rate their experiences on certain issues. Um, or there's also a survey that's sent to the church and it um, seeks to answer the questions of like, are these churches' theologies affirming? Do they officiate same sex weddings? Would they hire a queer pastor? Can a woman speak? Um, Just because in in some churches, those aren't things that would happen. And um, yeah, so it's just seeking clarity on those those topics. So what this website does is after uh, finding all this information, it gives individual churches a grade. So um, there's unclear and then there's clear. So unclear would be like um, maybe the theology isn't on the church's website at all, or it's just given in really, really unclear terms, so it's hard to figure out their stance on various things. And clear would be like the church's website states it clearly, so like we know for sure that this church is affirming or is not affirming. Okay, so there's undisclosed, as in after putting in all this work of trying to figure it out, um, they got no response from the church, they don't know at all if this church is affirming or not. Then there's unclear non-affirming, There's unclear, affirming, actively discerning, clear, non-affirming. So we are not affirming to the queer community and clear, affirming. So we are affirming to the queer community. And then there's verified clear. So like they've sent a survey to this church and the church, the church's leadership has responded. And they've said, yes, we affirm um, like queer people, um, they can be in leadership in our community, all of those sorts of things. So that is the most clear and the most affirming that there can be on this this website. And it's a really great resource because um, if there's a church that's not on it, you can submit a request for them to um, seek information on it. Um, And yeah, so it's really great, especially if you're moving to a new place and you're you're seeking a, a community that that. Their theology aligns with yours, Um, yeah, and it seeks to make clear what is often ambiguous.
1: That's really cool. I've never heard of that before, but do you know if there are any, like, Catholic churches on it? I
2: forgot to check that out, actually. I I went and looked at, specifically in the Kingston area, I was just kind of, like, going around, um, checking out different websites or uh, different churches, and then there's a link to the website. I know that um well the united church has been affirming for several decades and there's um, queer leadership like already for decades and so all united churches are um i'm not sure about catholic churches i forgot to check but yeah it's really great um yeah and then like for listeners out out there if you attend a church and you go on this website and you see hey my church isn't on here you can get it added but then also If there's a church that you're like, oh, like, it's right down my street, I kind of want to know their stance, then um, you can submit a request. Yeah. Do you know if this is an
0: international resource or is it specific Mm -hmm. to Canada or, like, North America?
2: That's a good question. I know it's... I'll just quickly check now. Uh, It's definitely North America. There's also... Based on our
0: listener stats, we do sometimes have international listeners, so...
2: Oh yeah, that's true. Um, there is there is also another website that specifically looks for uh, policies around homosexuality, like just homosexuality. Um, it's like it's called like gaychurchmaybe.com. dot uh, Don't quote me on that, but that one that's another one that um, it only. Sh- shares the ones that for sure are affirming, but it doesn't actually provide any other information other than like you assume that if they're listed that they're affirming but they don't um provide nuances. Okay. Well is, we can also try
0: to, to Yeah, we can try to put all these resources in our yeah. show notes um as well as on our website so that if you're listening to this and you're curious and you want to check these out and you forget the link. Or whatever yeah. um, if you just go on our website nearlynuminous.ca or if you go just to the show notes if you're on spotify it should come up just as the description same with apple
2: um you should be able to see the links for all of these resources i just typed in united kingdom so we'll see if anything comes up i think it is internationally It at least includes united kingdom cool okay but i'm not sure like how extensive that is so once again If you're like looking in, hey, none of the churches in my area are included in this resource. Just submit them all. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jacqueline. I think
0: I've never heard of that. And I think that's going to be really useful for a lot of people. Yep. It's personally one of the
2: the main ways that I research churches.
0: All right. So I think uh, there's a few more things we just wanted to touch on. Um, Briefly, not because they're brief subjects to be touched upon, but just because they're very crucial things that have been happening in the world, um, over the last like month or so. Um, the reason that we don't want to dive deeper into these subjects in this episode is because we believe that they deserve a little bit more time and attention as well as more statements from people who are experts, um, whether it be through research or lived experience. Um, but we do want to at least address them because they are important things that are happening in the news, in the world. Um, And so, there's two subjects here. Um, Apologies if it gets a little triggering for some people, but first we're going to talk briefly about what is happening in uh, Israel and Palestine right now, Um, and then we're also going to briefly talk about uh, the residential school in Kamloops. So... Just a little warning ahead of time. If that's sensitive for you and you don't want to listen, uh, we won't be offended if you just dip out right now. But otherwise, we're, we're going to just very briefly talk about that. So first up, um, obviously one of the most religious-heavy news stories that we've been hearing over the last month has been the ongoing Israeli-Palestine conflict. Um, and we felt that we couldn't and shouldn't go through the episode without at least addressing it. However, um, like I already said, all three of us feel... Fairly underqualified to talk about this conflict in an educational manner. So, we're working to source an interview with someone that can speak a bit more in depth to the history and the massive ram- ramifications from this historical, long standing event. Um, and I don't mean historical as in it's past and it's no longer happening, I mean historical as in the magnitude for history. However, just to clarify, uh, although we understand it's a complex issue, we can confidently say that by not discussing it yet on this podcast does not mean that we think it being complex made it, makes it void of any wrongdoings. Um, I think you often hear that argument kind of come up that it's a complicated situation, so we shouldn't talk about it. Um, that's not what we're doing here. We're saying it's a complicated situation, so we think that people who understand the complexity of it should talk about it. Um So we want to confidently say here that killing innocent people and cutting off civilians' abilities to live safely and comfortably is never okay. Um, And again, we would like to dive deeper into this topic when we source our interview and we have someone who knows a lot more about it to speak more confidently to it. So that being said, uh, we have some people that we're reaching out to, but if you are somebody that knows quite a bit about the situation and would like to share your thoughts or your experiences on it, you can reach out to us. Um, NearlyNuminous.ca is our website. There's a contact us form on there, or you can reach out to us on social media. Um, Our handle is just NearlyNuminous everywhere. Um, Or we have an email if you want to just directly email us. It's NearlyNuminous at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, and the other topic we wanted to touch on was, um, well, if you haven't heard, the remains of 215 Indigenous children were found buried at a residential school in British Columbia. Kamloops Indian Residential School, which operated between 1890 and 1978, housed as many as 500 children at one time. and. Based on what's been told by survivors of the school, friends and family of its students, and the evidence of the children's remains, Kamloops Indian Residential School was like other residential schools in that abuse and neglect against Indigenous children was rampant. So currently, the school is still being investigated and Hopefully the children will be identified and their families notified so that healing can begin, but like I mentioned, this is just one instance of a larger problem involving Canada's horrible treatment of indigenous peoples. So even though residential schools have closed as of 1996, Indigenous people still feel the effects of the abuse and neglect they and their communities faced in these schools and at the hands of the Canadian government. Many survivors and their descendants now struggle with mental and physical health problems, unemployment, loss of culture and language, grief, and more. And many Indigenous communities still don't have clean water, they have poor education, less social and governmental supports, and inadequate housing as well so Steph and Jacqueline and I just wanted to say that we recognize Canada's and Canadian settlers continued abuse and neglect of indigenous peoples as well as our responsibility to not stay quiet about this and to back up and support indigenous voices and initiatives and to find ways that we can include these histories and Indigenous stories and voices into nearly numinous more.
2: And speaking of voices, like always, we're always looking for your feedback and to invite you into our discussions. We are very aware that our identities, experiences, and research interests have significant overlap, and so we are eager to include more diverse voices and expertise in our conversations. So, for example, if in listening to our In the News episodes, you're thinking, I'd really have something to add to this conversation, we want to hear from you, so please reach out to us. If you're an expert either through study or lived experience on any subject that touches on religion in any way, then we want you to join us for future In the News roundtables. We're going to start a monthly newsletter that we will put out about one week before we record our In the News episodes. In that newsletter, we will give you a heads up on what we're planning to talk about. And if you feel like you could add value to that discussion, then please reach out to us and you can, you can join us for that discussion. If that sounds like something that's up your alley, then sign up for our newsletter on our website at nearlynuminous.ca. The form is nice and big right on the homepage underneath the image slider. We'll also share this info on social media with a link so you can sign up there as well. Also, feel free to send us articles and subjects you want us to talk about on the show. We
0: also promise this isn't, like, an annoying newsletter. We're not planning on just, like, this is solely so that we can help build this community and get more voices included in our episodes. Not so that we can annoy you with, like, links and unnecessary emails about our pets, but we can include photos of our pets if you want. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm always yeah. happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, bye!
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Nearly Numinous. For full transcripts of every episode, check out nearlynuminous.ca. There, you can also find links to subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Have a topic you'd like us to talk about, or would you like to be a guest on a future episode? reach out to us at nearlynuminous at gmail.com. That's spelled N-E-A-R-L-Y-N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S at gmail.com.